Welcome to the Werewolf Den, where we do a deep dive into the core concepts and principles behind White Wolf's Werewolf the Apocalypse. I'm Amelin. And I am Ryan. Welcome back, everyone. Today we had a fan request to cover the first change, something we probably should have covered a lot earlier. <laughs> Very important sort of first step in creating a character. And we've both experienced lots of things that worked and lots of things that definitely do not work. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we have enough to talk about an episode of this. So we'll go ahead and get started. The first thing I would point out regarding first changes is that you don't have to have the like superhero idea of like you discovered your powers all by yourself spider-man gets bit by a spider and figures it all out on his own because as a member of the garu nation you have kinfolk or other garu that are very very likely aware of your existence mm. the presence of what they call lost cubs which are those examples of people who have that recessive gene has gone down the line for so long until there's no kinfolk looking out for you you've just got normal mundane kind of parents and one day you have a bad experience and bam you're a werewolf and no one in your family knows what's going on that's very rare most people are connected to either their garu parents or a network of kinfolk that are very well managed and regulated and so while you can still do the lost cub character concept don't feel like you have to and it, it took me years to kind of break out of that mold because i would always do it it would just I don't know. It just seems so prevalent and endemic within character creation. When I ran a LARP, everybody was a lost cup. Everybody. Their backgrounds constantly pops up. You don't need to do that. There's a ton of options available to you when going through this part of your character background. I do think that part of the reason why people feel so inclined to do lost cubs in this particular case has more to do with one of the key aspects that everybody realizes needs to happen with the first change, which is what is the trigger for it? And it is very easy to come up with triggers for first change when you are a lost cub, because then there's no responsible adult that you can say, you inflicted trauma upon me, because that is a very key aspect of first change. Trauma triggers it in some way, shape, or form. Trauma, stressors, things of that nature. Something horrible happens to you, something stressful happens to you, something rage-inducing happens to you, and this triggers your first change. And I really wish that more people, once they realize, once they get past character creation, thought about this trauma a little bit more, but uh, that's for reasons that we'll probably get into next episode. But suffice it to say, keeping on topic, it is a lot easier to come up with a trauma when you don't have to consider the backing of werewolf society exists and therefore somebody that's considered a quote-unquote responsible member of the nation, if they want Garu and are trying to trigger it, may have to put you or induce trauma in you. See, I, I think that the trauma doesn't have to be a thing because the books and stories you've even mentioned, you know, as, as you're coming up around that time, you start to have prophetic dreams and visions. Mm -hmm. And usually this happens during puberty. So you're already like constantly stressed. I don't think it has to be some, you know, Joe Chill killed my parents kind of thing. It could just be one bad day. Like 
I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be one of those things, but it is a kind of a default thing that the lore kind of guides you towards. Sure. Both in the game and just kind of with the concept of just general storytelling. Werewolf very much kind of presents itself in this very superhero-esque light. Yep. And very frequently superhero origin stories start with trauma. So it very much follows through with that nature. The big thing, though, is when we talk about these traumas, the big thing that I would advise is not necessarily staying away from the obvious traumas, being raped, being beaten up, being all of these things, but broadening it out, making it so that it is something that happens because of your character being proactive. And I feel like this is something that I want to start encouraging people to focus in on. What was your character doing that put them in that stressful situation to begin with? Not just what environment did they grow up in? What horrors did they just happen to encounter that day? What was your character doing? This also feeds into your character archetype later. Why did this happen? Why did this trauma happen? I mean, you say beaten up. I don't know. I kind of like the idea of an Arun whose first change comes from getting beaten up and not being the, the super powerful thing and kind of using that as a, a motivation or a tool of character growth. But I feel it needs to be kind of all or nothing. I feel like a lot of people make a first change that sounds dire and catastrophic but then they don't take the character in that direction at all. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if you want to use your first change as a means to motivate and drive your character, then that's awesome. But if you've got other ideas for drives and motivation, then, yeah, you had a bad day. Your kinfolk family was aware this was happening. The Garu, who's been ritualistically looking out for your first change, is there to swoop in. It might even be a, you'd mentioned, some tribes will do staged stressors to initiate that first change and so you could have just a whole gang of garu around who are setting up stressors and there to make sure you don't go on a citywide rampage like it's freaking skyrim the first change is a tool in your toolbox for creating a character it's, it's not like the embrace where it almost always is this big keystone moment in your backstory see i would disagree i feel like the first change is basically werewolf's equivalent of the first embrace. Okay. I think part of the reason why I like the first change, though, is because it's not somebody else choosing you. It is something that is induced, absolutely. But like I said, this is going back to what I was mentioning earlier. I very much prefer the notion of what were you doing, though, to trigger those stressors? Was it a family situation where you got a whole bunch of Garu that are trying to induce that first change? And so you have this lineage to look out for and this expectation placed upon you? Or was it you were out doing your activism, trying to get somewhere with it, and like the police had a huge crackdown on you, and that trauma triggers it? What were you doing? First Change, I feel like, is an excellent way to characterize how your character is proactive. And it has that sort of embrace mentality where this is what has introduced you to the world, but much in the same way as embrace states this is why i have chosen you from your sire it is this is what i was doing to cause it 
As you're talking about this, I'm continually thinking about ideas of how this can work without making it feel like you're being constrained mm -hmm. with your background. Like if I pitched out a first change where it's like, I don't want to be a Thayerge. I want to be something other than Thayerge, but I want to be a teenager who's feeling lost and purposeless and can't sleep and just has that sort of ennui, but you know, banging away in their mind. And one night I can't sleep. So I just go out and I drive, I drive for like two hours and I come to like this forest preserve and it's late at night. It's closed. This is illegal kind of thing. And the moon is shining, not, not a crescent moon, something else doesn't matter. But I go out into the woods and I just sort of wander out there and I keep looking at the moon and soaking in the environment of being in the wild. And eventually this causes my first change. And it's not a stressor, but it's sort of a coming to terms with oneself moment of like self-discovery. Still important, but doesn't have that level of necessary trauma that instigates it. Something like that. I think that's what I'm mainly about with the... It has to be a trauma thing. I agree. If you're gonna use it in your character development, awesome. But if you're getting your character drives and motivations and goals from other places, I don't feel like you should have to have this traumatic first change. I think it's awesome as a resource, but requiring it, especially if there's trauma involved, that just feels like it's a little bit constraining, especially for a system like Werewolf that is so open. Yes and no. See, based off of just the story that you just provided to me, my initial reaction to this is you're describing the ennui and stress of being a teenager who doesn't know their place in the world. And yeah, when I mentioned before that trauma is a trigger, I also did say, hey, don't necessarily always rely on I was raped. Mm -hmm. This terrible thing happened to me. I was beaten up or something like that. Stress is a very personal thing. And so when you describe that to me, my immediate reaction is, all right, you're experiencing the ennui of being a teenager. What is it that spoke to you out in that natural setting when you went out there? Was it walking out there and feeling like there's so few places at like this anymore and then becoming a little annoyed and a little angry how rarely you get to experience this or is this a situation where this is like a rare moment of peace for you where you go out there and you're experiencing this rare moment of peace and it makes you uncomfortable because you're so used to something that is just so busy and you don't know what to do with yourself and then you have that stress afflicted upon you through that. The stress and trauma always comes from a very deeply personal place. Hmm. And so the situation you describe does not sound outside of the standard norm for what I would expect for a werewolf first change to occur. It still sounds like you're experiencing stress or trauma. It's just very intuit and very personal. And this, again, feeds in to who you are as a person. Becoming a supernatural creature is going to affect you. Very, very likely you're going to move on from it just as much as I'm certain that my 16th birthday learning how to drive a car was a keystone moment in my life. I am in my 30s now and I do not care. <laughs> and I'm certain that first change if you want to play an older, more veteran guru, 
has that effect. But it's still something where it's a starting memory to work from and build your character from. Mm -hmm. Particularly if you are new, it is an excellent way to kind of build the environment that your character lived in, build the bubble that they lived in, and get down on a very emotional level with them on what is it that stresses them out? What is it that makes them nervous, makes them scared, makes them angry, most importantly? But yeah, that's the biggest thing that I have to say regarding First Change, is what does it mean to your character more than anything else? And to sort of jump back to something I think we both mentioned here, the idea that you're one being proactive, I think is very, very good to think about. And like I mentioned, this isn't happening in a vacuum, right? You've got all of these weird thoughts and feelings because you're having these prophetic visions or what have you that kind of calls your character to do something with. And I think that can also be very helpful to break out of that. Oh, I just went drinking and got beat up and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. or, you know, the worst rape. But having those ideas to sort of propel you to action, to put you in situations you might not have considered like you are literally in a forest preserve at 2 a.m there's no one around it's honestly quite peaceful how can we use this to do a first change i think that's very very helpful because without those you know weird urges and feelings that you can't explain and strange dreams it's a lot harder to put yourself in that particular situation and so using those external impulses to throw your character into a unique setting to give a fresh concept for a first change can be really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. Working then from just these general basics, just this conceptualization of first change, I think then the next thing is, if you are a storyteller running a player's first change, how are you going to go about doing this? (sighs) I feel like this overlaps a lot with Hunter's imbuement moment which I just started running another Hunter game. The problem I always encounter is you're going to have players who confront things physically because, especially in Werewolf, I think that's kind of an idea that people have, right? Physical confrontation is a a key part of the drama of Werewolf the Apocalypse. And so as a storyteller, a big thing I would worry about is here's this interesting thing and it's all blood and claws. How to avoid that though in 10 years of experience, I, I don't know. It definitely is a thing. One of the big things to definitely consider, though, is more than anything else, first change is, in a lot of sense, kind of like a session... It's not a session zero, more than it is like a session 0.5. And they can kind of happen anywhere in your chronicle. You can start with an entirely fresh pack who everybody is gonna go through the first change or something like that, where... All of them have decided to attend like a rally that you set up. And so the first change is going to happen like that via like a hunter imbuement or something is going to happen where characters die. It happens. And maybe somebody is like, I want to start like really fresh. I want to start with like a wide eyed character or something like that. Or a young silver fang who thinks that they're ready and is going to do that. Maybe you're going to run the scene where werewolves are going to try to imbue a first change. So 
There's a lot of variety to work with with that. And more than anything else, ultimately it comes down to fit the tone of your story, fit the themes of your setting, and fit the playstyle of your players more than anything else. This is a thing where with first change, I do recommend doing kind of a pseudo session zero with your players on it, no matter where it occurs in your chronicle. So speaking of like doing a first change mid campaign, there are a few things I would caution against just to make sure this goes smoothly. First, to ensure that there are some players within the pre-existing group or pack that are willing to take on the burden of raising and mentoring a cub. This is usually pretty easy to do in a LARP because you have people who come into it with the mind to be a Dunkeeper type figure and people are more focused on inter-character interactions and motivations in a LARP. And so you're almost certainly going to find someone who's willing to take on that role and it'll be very clear if you're the storyteller. But in a tabletop, you definitely want to make sure that there are people who are willing to take on that burden and responsibility because you're going to need to have the infrastructure and like the networks of contacts or influence or whatever to sort of cover up the damage and also be willing to spend a significant amount of in-game time actually mentoring this character and just discussing the mythos and the theology and the, the ideals of the Garu and stuff like that. If you don't have players who are willing to take on that burden then they're not going to enjoy this experience, even if the first change character, if that player does. Mm -hmm. And I will say, like, uh, this is something where we do speak from experience in that I have made this mistake where I did not properly screen my packs before introducing somebody and inducing first change because that's what they said they wanted to do. That's why I say start with doing like a pre-session zero thing where you sit down not only with the new player but with the group to make sure that the new character gels in with everything. And the second thing I would advise is to make sure that that new player is at least somewhat aware of the game and the setting. This is a tactic that's often used. If you have that fresh-faced character, player has never played werewolf, you think, Oh, the first change will be a good starting point. Remember that they're having those prophetic dreams where they think they're a wolf running under the full moon or, you know, that sort of stuff. So that they've got this idea in their mind as a character that I'm having these weird thoughts and weird dreams. Am I a wolf? What's going on? That this first change doesn't just come out of a vacuum. That you wake up one day, you're a regular old person, nothing weird in your life. You drink your coffee, you go to work and bram, something bad happens and you're a werewolf now? What? No, that's too much. That's too disjointed from what would normally happen. And so make sure that player has at least read something or listened to a podcast or is thinking of what it'll be like to be a werewolf before they come in and create a character. Because otherwise that's too much of a jarring experience and they're going to be sitting around going, but werewolves aren't real, blah, blah, blah. And that usual spiel. And that can be another big drain on the experience. Mm -hmm. It's mostly just inevitably going to come down to make sure that if you are the player, fulfill your responsibilities of the player, reading the books, talking with people about whatever works with the group and trying to make sure everything mesh. And if you're the storyteller, advising as best you can based off of what little information you have about this person's play style when introducing them in. And session zeros, even if you need to stop like mid-game, aim to introduce a new player, 
and kind of try to reintegrate them in can be a great way to do that. So we've talked a lot about sort of the human experience of the first change. And the lupus one is one that I think also needs to be explored a bit. It's sort of my own headcanon that within the Garu Nation, there are no lost cubs with lupus populations. Like wolf populations are too low to allow that. Any surviving wolf is known about and accounted for, at least to some extent. And so having a lost cub wolf... Did the Garu who was managing that population die? Was there a big worm attack? Like, something big had to instigate that? And I would keep that in mind. There had to be something cataclysmic before your own personal cataclysmic experience to justify how you could end up being a lost cub. But I also think that that helicopter parenting element is also something that's really fun to think about for Lupus and for, for some Hamid Garu as well. That... You know, your whole life has kind of been curated and managed. And as a lupus and as a Hamid, I think it's perfectly valid to, you know, say that my character is aware that there's something weird going on. Either the Garu Nation is being explicit, where your parents are kinfolk and they're like, no, listen, this is what's going on. You might be a werewolf one day. We're in a big cosmic conflict kind of thing. And that's awesome to think about, too. Like, how would that impact you as like an eight year old? You know, when you have the what is God, mommy question come up <laughs> and it's like, well, Gaia and da 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 and the worm and like, how would that just change everything about your experience? And every little kid I've seen that's been introduced to the church goes in full force. Like, I've never seen a kid who's like, yep, I discovered religion. And I'm kind of like, they're always just super engaged in it. And so, yeah, as an eight-year-old, like... Well, they're either completely disengaged or (laughs) all for it. If the parents are all for it, it seems like the kids are always all for it as well. I've had more siblings than you have. So I can say that there's definitely some like, I am not, I do not care moments amongst the children. Just I am here and being drug along. But there are definitely strong moments where it's like, if kids engage, they engage. Mm-hmm. And so like, oh man, are there like Garu versions of VeggieTales? That's, that's a, oh man, that's a glass walker I'm going to play. I call dibs <laughs> on that concept. Maybe <laughs> called Apex Predator Tales or something, I don't know. <laughs> VeggieTales equivalent of the Garu Nation. Oh my gosh, that needs to be something. We need to make that or something. Jesus, that's, that's awesome. It's so stupid though. I kind of hate it at the same time. Anyway, but yeah, as someone who's not gone through their first change yet and could be made aware of this stuff, how would that impact you? What was I even talking about to begin with? Uh, lupus first changes. Um, you man, talked we... about lupus first changes. Somehow we got on to Garu Vegetales. I have no idea how we even segue, but I don't want to go back. Um, <laughs> Speaking of teaching children, yeah. I did remember what I wanted to talk about, awesome. which was traits that you can get to help with curating those new players into the game. Mm -hmm. The big one that people tend to gravitate towards is the mentor background. You have a Garu whose whole job it is to tell you (laughs) what is what. And the mentor background is great because you can take it at any level. And it's basically just, here's this person who is looking out for your well-being and wants to see you succeed. That is inevitably their goal. It can be a parent. It could be a deep friend that kind of looks at you like a younger sibling. It could be an actual sibling. It could be 
whatever. It doesn't even have to be necessarily Garu. It could be a very well-informed kinfolk. But the other one I wanted to start encouraging players to take is Spirit Heritage, which was something I believe it was introduced in W20. Yeah. But Spirit Heritage is essentially, basically, you have a spirit infused in you that is very much just as much a part of your being as it is you. And spirit heritage is kind of like a kin fetch that stays with you forever. And I love this thing because it essentially means that you now have this deep bond with a particular type of spirit who is you, essentially, in one way, shape, or form, but is also separate from you. And the storyteller can definitely use this as a way of informing like how your senses react to various different things. Use it to like teach you from a different perspective that you normally wouldn't look at it from because you have like this spirit influence kind of guiding you a little bit. I highly recommend more people take spirit heritage because it is essentially just a kin fetch that stays with you forever. In a similar vein, I would recommend the Ancestors background. Something that a lot of new characters that that go through this process have is they come in with no ideas. And they just want other people to tell them stuff. And that's, that's fine if that's what you want. But I would also recommend, if you're looking for something different, take Ancestors. Because if you want to have that fresh-faced, you know, I don't know what's going on approach... Take Ancestors and just have some weird anachronistic ideas. Because for players that will take on that mentor role, it can be a huge breath of fresh air to come in and be like, all right, what do you know? And then you're like, well, my ancestor spirit from 1200 before the Common Era said this. And this is how things are. And you can believe it. and You can fight for those ideas because that spirit, that ancestor spirit is always there for you to communicate with. And to like reinforce these ideas. And so if you're comfortable being wrong or not perfectly correct, is a better way to put it, take ancestors and just have weird ideas. If you haven't read all the books, but just a little smidgen or you've listened to a few podcasts, then just take some of those ideas. And if they're wrong or crazy or whatever, then ancestors can sort of explain why, oh yeah, you know, the only person who has told you anything is this 4,000-year-old dead wolf. Like, <laughs> you're going to have some interesting concepts. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if you're doing the first change thing, have some ideas, even if they're wrong. That That's just cool, right? To, to have something instead of being like, I don't know anything, teach me one plus one. All right. I'd say with that, we've pretty much covered everything we need <laughs> to cover. We've gone way off the rails on this topic, yeah. yeah. No, I do feel like, though, we've covered pretty much everything that needs to be covered. Oh, Garu born first changes are their birth. Yeah. So uh, do with that what you will, I guess. <laughs> Your whole life is a first, first change, change experience. <laughs> All right. But with that, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Yeah, I think we've talked at great length about this topic. Yeah. Um, hopefully we've given you some thought to chew on with that. Hopefully we've given you, like, uh, affirmation, I don't know, something. You've Hopefully you've gotten something out of this, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're going to do the VeggieTales concept, you have to take a mentor and it has to be a character that I made. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you about it. Just email us. <laughs> Hit us in the DMs and I'll tell you. No, uh, seriously, do it. That, that sounds awesome. Send the DMs via to my Twitter account because I actually tra- check that on a regular basis. <laughs> we have an email? <laughs> Advice oh, not to you. Oh. One last thing. Oh, uh, yeah. 
housekeeping thing. Okay. And we did get somebody donating to our coffee. (laughs) (laughs) An absurd amount. We sent you a reply asking if you would like us to shout us out, but you never got back to us. But Ryan and I did talk it over. And for those of you who do want to do it, we do thank you. We have a bit of a why, why, but more fun. Like, I'm going to have to pay, ta- we had to pay taxes on this. Like, I can't wait when we file our taxes next year and they ask us our occupation. I'm going to be like, well, you know, we paid 59 cents in taxes for being uh, werewolf podcasters. So that's our occupation, government. <laughs> Record it. Record it for posterity's sake. <laughs> but if you would like to donate to us. We will go ahead and shout you out for, what did we agree on? Like, two coffees, we'll shout you out in it, or what was it? I figured we'd shout out anything, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, if you do. uh, Anything is super, super generous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, give us a nice little call and we'll give you a nice little shout out. If you donate more than one or two coffees to us. We'll have a nice little discussion on what your prize should be because we honestly did not think anybody would actually do it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of blown away. Anyway, hopefully you had a good one. See you next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>